this is it. This is yes, your... welcome to my office. You're living with future in-law, kind of. It's true. It's true. Yes, we saw each other just this morning when I took Ace out, and she took her dog out and had her morning cigarette, and we had a little little morning chat. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so it was very cute. We talked about hairstyling and being, you know, women business owners, things we have in common. Good, good, good. Today, we were moving some stuff in and out, and we couldn't find Chonk, and we were looking all over the new place, looking high and low, in dresser drawers, under dressers, in the closets, and we were looking hard enough that we were really scared that like he had slipped out the door in a moment none of us were looking only to find after about 30 minutes of looking he was behind the microwave oh just like in the tiniest little space between the microwave and the kitchen counter wall that reminds me of where i found skeeter recently during a thunderstorm yeah. he was hiding behind the the clawfoot bathtub oh. that's pushed up against the wall Skater! Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, little baby. That's adorable. Michael. Yes. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back from my musical excursion. Oh, yes. From your contra dance. Um, I want there to be a pun here. Contra point. I don't know. You know, just imagine I came up with something good. Okay, great. Yeah. No, it's I'm imagining it. How are you readjusting to post camp life? Oh, I I civilian lifestyle. It's good and I I think I prefer civilian lifestyle. It's definitely more emotionally uh, you know, sustainable. Yeah, I don't know if you listeners have ever been to like a summer camp before, but every day feels like a year goes by and it just feels right. so intense and everyone's like all emotionally vulnerable. And and if you're one of the musicians at Contra Dance Camp, I'm sure just the groupies are swarming you every day. Well, I mean, the groupies are mostly like, you know, twice my age. So? <laughs> so? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a classic Michael mess around <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, I can find the, the mother I never had. Exactly. Not that I never had a mother, but you, you know. But you never had a mother. Well... She's a perfect, <laughs> perfectly nice mo mother. <sighs> anyway. How are you, Hava? <laughs> I'm well. I'm trying to settle in to my new home. Slept here for the first time last night. It's very cozy. It's very weird to have central air conditioning in New England. Very novel experience. And also, like, the house that we're in is a split level. So we're, like, kind of where a basement would be. Mm-hmm. Mm and that means that our floor stays really cool all the time because it's like partially inside the earth. Uh, it's pretty dope temperature wise. I have like laundry in the bathroom, big ass kitchen with a bunch of counter space. I do have to get a refrigerator though. I don't think we're going to get a, a whole, you know, grown up refrigerator, but they make these like halfway between a mini fridge and a regular fridge kind of guys that I think we're going to have to get one of. That'd be great. I would love to have one of those fridges instead of a big, deep fridge. We do have a, a deep freeze, a big-ass freezer down here for some reason. It's like the rich kids in high school. They would always have a carpeted basement. Mm -hmm, with like a deep freeze full of sodas or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, mm -hmm. you're living the dream. Is it like a walk out the, into the backyard kind of situation? Yeah, exactly. The, the oh. front half is sort of like 
below ground level and then the ground like slopes back. So the back door is at ground level so we can go out to the backyard with little Ace. That is my favorite. There's a cherry tree in the yard. The ground is covered in rotten cherries. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it has its own kind of magic to it. I love it. I love it. Does Ace eat the cherries? Yes, he does. And then his poop is full of cherry pits. Oh, no. That's not good. Yeah, it's, it's a whole fucking good. thing. You got to deal with the cherries. <sighs> uh, yeah, it's great. I have really great windows to put all my plants on and like space for all my books and it's a huge upgrade in terms of lifestyle. I love it. Yeah. So I'm still, you know, pretty discombobulated, but I'm getting closer and closer to settling in with each passing moment. Well, good. Michael, what kind of morsel have you brought me today? I brought you more than a morsel, Hava. Oh, more than a morsel, you say? I brought you a mind-expanding Oh, shit. Hunk. Of oh, that's my favorite kind of hunk. Of <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think you like mind expanding. I think you like other things. <laughs> hey, I, the mind body duality has been transcended for oh, me. Okay, great. Good. I'll take either or. Okay, excellent. I am going to share some drosh, some info great. that I think might might do things to you. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Okay. okay. So you're the mind expanding hunk in this case. I'm not. No, no. I am just the messenger. I am always the messenger. <laughs> so have you ever heard of a rabbi named Mordechai Yosef Liner? I don't think so. All right. Well, he was a Hasidic rabbi in the 1800s, like early okay. 1800s. And he is the founder of the Ishbitzer Radzin dynasty, which is still around today. I think mostly in B'nai Brock and like Israel. Okay, learn something already. I came across some interesting non-intuitive droshes that he has on two very mm -hmm. dicey stories. Okay. And in order to get into the drosh, we should talk about the story. So the first story right. is the story of Pinchas. Are you familiar with Pinchas? Oh my god, yeah. Blech. Uh, can you relate the story as you know uh, it? I, my Torah knowledge is so bad, but basically the deal is I think some member of Pinchas's family like goes astray and worship it, worships some other deity, and Pinchas takes it upon himself to kill them um, in a br brutal and graphic fashion. And that's just a great example of how hardcore we should all be. Yeah, so that's that. That is the basically the outline. Uh, the, the specifics are: there was this guy Zimri. Zimri was from the tribe of Simeon. He was like kind of a big deal in the tribe, and he slept with Cosby, which was the daughter of a Midianite prince okay so pinchas came and like everyone apparently there was like a plague on the village and you know god wasn't happy about all this and he just like came was really mad and stabbed them with a spear while <sighs> they were having sex cringe take from the torah I know, I know. I mean, maybe the Rebbe is gonna redeem it for us, but well, maybe. you were either when you said dicey, I thought it was gonna be like a little dicey, but this is like top 
top five or ten dicey no, takes it's, it's in the Torah. Very, very, very dicey. And afterwards, at least in the Torah, God is like, oh, Pinchas is great. Right. Awesome job. Yeah. Love, you know, for you to stab people. That's a huge value in Judaism is stabbing. There's another story that's also a bit of a, a downer for for the Jews. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the story of Judah and Tamar. Are you familiar with this story? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> Dear listeners, just a quick content warning that this Torah story has sexual trickery, death, just all kinds of weird sex lies in videotape. Um, so if that's not the content for you today, feel free to skip on ahead. But just wanted you all to know. Okay, continue. So Judah had a son. Son married Tamar, right? They didn't produce kids, and then Judah's son died. So then by the Leverite marriage, Onan married Tamar, but you know, he you know, he did right, not classic sin of Onanism. Classic sin of Onanism. He did not fertilize he or fertilize Jesus. He did not impregnate <laughs> You've been infected by the culture of the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a little but bit. But he did not fertilize her womb. As the Lord had in, enjoined him. Exactly. So God was mad and Onan died. And then Judah was afraid to, you know, give the third son over to Tamar. He, he thought something similar right, would happen. Because she's like a black widow at this point. Iconic, honestly. He delayed, he delayed, he delayed, and it was no good. And then eventually Judah's own wife dies. So now he's a widower and he's got one son. And Tamar hatches a plan. She dresses up as a prostitute Mm -hmm. in some town Mm -hmm. that Judah is visiting, and Judah employs her. Yep. Mm -hmm. And leaves. (laughs) Just what it says on the tin. And I believe the payment for the sex was going to be a goat. But he didn't have a goat, so he left collateral with her, like his signet ring or something. Not crap only like that. is this man trying to pay me in goats, but he can't even <laughs> pay me in goats. He has to go to the goat ATM to withdraw a goat. <laughs> I know, I know. It's bizarre. It's crazy. Anyway, he tries to send the goat, but by the time I think the goat arrives, maybe there is no more prostitute in this area. She has disappeared. So Tamar's disappeared. Right. The one that got away, both goat and human. <laughs> So Tamar comes back, whatever, three months later or so, she's pregnant, and Judah's real mad because why is she pregnant? That's not good. Somehow that's bad that she's pregnant. So he sentences her to, to burn, to, to die right. via fire. She, at this moment, I feel like this is very Purim spiely. This could be like Purim number two. I know there already is a Purim part two. But this could be <laughs> right, like Purim, Purim number, number three, two. actually. Purim number three. She pulls out the collateral and was like, these are your children. I was the sexy prostitute the whole time. Boom, bitch. It was me. And so he's like, whoa, that's cool. And then she ends up giving birth to twins. And in other texts, those twins go off. One of them goes off to be, you know, the direct descendant of King David. So. Right. Right. What a tale. So we have these two crazy stories. One is just like gratuitous violence towards basically interfaith sucking and fucking. Right. That God, it seems to approve of. And another is 
like a whole bunch of sexual trickery that works out for everyone in the end and like works out for the you know the davidic line that's cool like that line continues but has all these double standards and all these like weird weird issues so how could these two stories be redeemed i'm sure there's lots of ways to go about redeeming them but i'm just tickled that the founder of this hasidic dynasty how he went about droshing these in his text that he is well known for called the Me Hashiloach, which is a text that is a collection of his thoughts and sermons on the weekly Parshas and stuff like that. Okay, right. It's just like uh, we were talking about with Gashmius in our Hasidic episode, where like the Rebbe's were all sitting around drunk as hell talking about the Parsha and then people wrote it down afterwards. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think the best thing would be to read and then perhaps to summarize. So this is commentary okay. on the Pinchas Parsha. So this is the Parsha where Pinchas, I think he's referred to as the zealot, as this young guy who went and stabbed Zimri and, and, his, uh, and, and his wife. So this is the drosh. It would not, God forbid, occur to anyone to say that Zimri was licentious, for the Holy One, blessed be he, would never have dedicated an entire Parsha in the Holy Torah to licentiousness. Rather, there is a secret in this whole affair. All right. So you ready for the secret, Hava? Please. Okay. So there are 10 levels of lechery. The first... Wow, I've got some work to do. I, I know, I know. Don't worry, don't worry. I think you'll be very familiar with the first, and I'll tell you what the first one is. The first and the lowest level is when one dresses up and goes intentionally to commit a sexual transgression, meaning one who deliberately invites the evil inclination upon himself. Great. Yeah, classic lechery. Lechery 1.0. So... After this, there are nine other levels. With each one, a man's power of free choice is taken from him a little more. With the first level, it was totally within his power to refrain. And with each level, it becomes more and more difficult to escape the transgression. Finally, at the tenth level, where one distances himself from the evil inclination and guards himself from transgression with all his power until it is impossible to guard himself anymore. If his evil inclination still overpowers him, and he does such an action, then it certainly must be God's will. Oh, well. So basically what he's saying is like, Zimri, the character, or one of the characters who Pinchas kills, God would never have dedicated a whole Parsha to him if he was just a slut. So he must have been at lechery level 10, the level of lechery we should all aspire to, which is the level of inevitable lechery. Yes, yes. So he he says that this is very similar to the case of Yehuda and Tamar, so of Judah and Tamar. They were true soulmates, even though they went about going about that in a very bizarre way. So it was a meat cute is what I'm hearing. It's a what? Actually, it was a meat cute. The moment in a rom-com when the couple runs into each other at a bookstore or whatever, <laughs> yes, you know. Exactly. Like that's what that's what it really was. Absolutely. So he says this is the case with Zimri who truly guarded himself from all evil. Didn't sound like Judah was guarding himself from evils very strictly. No, 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 no. I think the comparison was there was that 
well to mar is a more yeah like guarded Tamar one in that like, story yeah 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 so zimri and his lover cosby according to rabbi mordechai leonard were true soulmates and the lesson is not that pinchas did a good thing by killing them but he actually mentions in sanhedrin 82b they talk about pinchas and there's the story where Zimri goes to Moses and is like, hey, you have this wife who's like a foreigner. Why can't I have like a wife who's a foreigner? And like Moses is like, I don't know, man. I, I just, just I take just it don't up know. with God, dude. What this rabbi does is he contrasts the wise Moses response to the Pinchas response, who's this young hothead. And he says, God forgives Pinchas. And it's like a, it's more like a, he, God understands where Pinchas is coming from because like on the face of it, Zimri was breaking this law about like not being with non-Hebrews, but, Mm -hmm. but Pinchas couldn't see the truth of the matter, which is that they were soulmates. And so God is actually giving Pinchas this like blessing, not because of what he did, like in spite of what he did. Right. This is, this feels like a... Even though I just brought this up on our Gosh Muse episode, feels like my take on um, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the cave and that he had the miracles done for him, not because he was so holy, but because he was foolish enough to disrespect his wife. And so God had to step in and fulfill that role. And this feels like a similar case with Pinchas, where it's like, you didn't get special attention because you're good. You actually got special attention because you kind of suck this could have been a better parsha about zimri but we had to spend time on you yeah 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 i think i'm missing some of the pertinent details like god he's giving like a blessing of peace or something like that mm-hmm. to calm pinchas down basically yeah it's almost like this is what you need get pinchas a snickers he's not himself when he's hungry <laughs> So what's interesting about this kind of drosh and what makes this drosh, apparently it was controversial at the time, like people didn't even want to Yeah, I can see why. Was there's this idea that Mordechai Yosef Lehner's, he kind of sees free will as being uh, maybe less less there than, than we think it is. And that everything is kind of preordained by, maybe not preordained, but certainly happens because of God. And that is, uh, you know, kind of a dangerous idea. Suddenly, you know, you potentially have justifications for why someone powerful does something that's not good. Right. Uh, It reminds me a bit of Shabbatai and stuff like that. Although, like, metaphysically, I think it's coming from a totally different place, you know? Right. But it's sort of like what you think is bad on the outside is actually good because of its secret nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Shabbatai, you got to do the bad so you can get the sparks from where the bad is. So you can like do the tikkun olam. And then Mm -hmm. here it's like, well, the bad things happen because God like needs them to happen. And there's some like hidden secret message. I also think this passage is interesting Because we have a rabbi drawing that there is this soulmate connection between a Hebrew and a non-Hebrew. And there's no conversion happening here. There's no talk of Mm -hmm. conversion. This is like really like an interfaith relationship, you know, that's being acknowledged as uh, being somehow divinely ordained. Right, right. Which, uh, if you think about it, like, ultimately... To me, it feels like you, to a certain extent, have to be open to that 
idea if you want to square the circle of of moses's marriage right um, right, right and like you know if you if you object to intermarriage you're gonna run into these obstacles eventually you know you're gonna run into some parts of the torah that mess with your whole worldview yeah yeah that's true but you're also going to run into parts of the Torah that mess with your worldview if you do accept in, it like interfaith marriage. Yeah, I mean, if, no matter what viewpoint you hold, eventually the Torah is kind of contradict what you were thinking, probably. Uh, but yeah, so that is a little taste of May HaShiloach, the very controversial book by Rabbi Mordechai Yosef Lehner that has this very strange drosh about free will and romance and the the will of God through potentially dicey, sinful human action. Yeah, damn. My mind was expanded by that hunk. That was a great hunk. I was really not sure where it was gonna go, but I, it was really interesting stuff. Thanks for bringing that uh, juicy little little um sirloin for all of us my pleasure my pleasure so i don't know what the lesson is just people have been doing this crazy droshing flipping stuff on its head for a long time right yeah and also just there's all kinds of viewpoints and all kinds of different jewish movements that we might not initially expect to find there yeah yeah before we head out i just want to alert our listeners that the next Shomala class is coming up, friend of the pod. Binya and Eyes Yeshiva is having other friend of the pod. Robin Banerjee is teaching a class at Shomala called The Flavor of Text, uh, which is a deep dive into some texts about melody and music and memory in the Beit Midrash, singing and studying and all kinds of that cool stuff. Registration for that is open now, so We'll put a link in the description so you all can sign up because it's going to be a really great one. And then without further ado, Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.